Welcome to SelfDiscoveryMedia.com, where we discover the communities that are making a difference in the lives of others. Our self-discovery is something we are all making on our life's journey. Here you will find the people that will be your guidance, that will be your inspiration, that will be there for you in support on your journey of life. Do enjoy. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Mental Health Awareness right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my wonderful guest today is Dr. Clara Kabos. I hope I'm Kabags. I'm sorry. Yes, it's Dr. Clara today. It is. <laughs> and, you know, we're going to be talking about the winning of her Grand Slam, the ecstatic feeling, but also, you know, the, the craziness of what's going on everywhere in the world right now, navigating through the jungle where confusion is uh, rife and chaos reigns and coming out the champion in your field. So how do you become the champion in your field today? You know, with all the mental pressures, the, the stress pressures, the unsure of what's going on, what's holding you back from achieving your success. Um, and she's She's had a lot of lovely ups and downs. Uh, she's known what it's like to, to win. Lovely gold medal that she has there, which she's going to be telling us all about, and the ecstatic feeling that she had from that, but also all the struggles that it took to actually getting there. And, uh, you know, being a high achiever, craving for that winning. And uh, it was the, the last trophy for her, the Grand Slam. And then uh, it's all the other things that came afterwards and about what winning really meant to her and, and uh, what it's revealed for all of us in, in our pursuit of our own grand slam in our life and how we actually pursue that, how we go through the obstacles, how we go through the ups and downs, how we go through everything else that out there in life. Because the best lessons you can learn are from people who are going through the situation, who have gone through the situation. Sorry, I've got something here that doesn't want to go out. And, uh, and what is your grand slam? You know, what, what is the thing that you want to win? And then and you look at it and you go, I've got here. I've, I've, there's my medal. There's my success. But what was the, the mental journey in getting there? Because everything is a mental journey, isn't it, Clara? Oh, absolutely. And Sarah, thank you so much for the introduction. Because, uh, um, yes, it's maybe a trophy for some, but it's, trophy has such an incredible definition. And I love the live aspect and as you as everybody else, forget about my, you know, my, my name. It's, it's a, Gubac is um, actually a very, very old uh, Hungarian name and we are the last ones to carry it. So anyway, we should definitely uh, honor the name Gubac. We're going to try. It's, it's so funny because with my students, they have to say Dr. Gubac. And, and the reason why they have to say doctor is not because I am such a snob about it. It's because I had to sit, sit and sit and study so many hours as a young athlete to get a degree. And I said, just because you just imagine, because I, I teach in exercise science and physical education. So just imagine that it's beautiful out. It's green. People are biking and running and playing and you have to sit. So that's why I deserve for them to call <laughs> me doctor. But the Gubach is funny because when they mispronounce my name, every time they mispronounce my name, that's 25 cents goes right into a jar. And at the end of the semester, we go for ice cream. That's oh, the thing. That, well, that sounds cool. And uh, yeah. um, how about a loony? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
it's like so funny because I'm doing this with college age children who are not children. They are supposed to be grown ups and they're loving all this playfulness. And that's one of the things actually I, I try to bring back in mm. um, into their lives is because we forget to play. And that's right. that for me, that's just so important. And so one of the ways that I actually won that championship that I was so um, into and wanting to win is because I remembered to play. And I can talk about that a little bit as well, because that's part of our um, healthy mental state is to be able to go back to be a child again. And um, that's, and we just really forget to do that. Yeah, but, but we forget um, what, what, what it is, you know, why do you love the sport or the action or whatever it is you're doing? Why do you do it? Why are you doing it in the first place? And if you're not doing it for the love of it and it becomes a chore, it becomes a burden, it becomes a stress, you lose the joy, right? Yeah. So you've lost the play, actually, and you kind of question yourself, why am I doing this? And if you've got there, why am I doing this? Then you do need to bring back some play and go back to the beginning of where is the joy in it? You know, you just pointed out something which is also so essential because you said go back to the beginning mm -hmm. um, many people that I am working with now I am a mindset coach I help people bring the best out of themselves when it counts the most in sports uh, entrepreneurship even I have young lawyers that I work with and they try to pass the bar exam and they want to make partners so this is this is that high pressure situation yes and uh, what I try to teach right away is that a lot of the people that come to me are actually somewhere in their middle age, somewhere 45 to 55, 60. And suddenly that same job or work that they were so much in love with, they just don't like it anymore. Yeah. And many times people say, okay, well, then just go do something else. And I say, well, let's just see if we can rekindle that love. Yeah. What was really changing? Were you changing or did the job change? And that change that you went through, is that a type of change that um, you actually want? Because if you carry that change into a new position or into a new job, you are still going to be you. Yeah. So let's just take a look at what is behind that. Yeah. And so many times that, um, I, I'm just a huge, huge proponent of, of proper mental health. I am not certified um, in psychology or anything like that what I am certified is in a variety of different um, energy therapy techniques. And what I do is I pull those techniques together into what I call the winning mind blueprint. And that is essentially helping people from that messed up state to not only just clear and what I, what I call, um, you know, uh, uh, calming the storm coming from my book, how to survive life's perfect storms. Um, so just just to help them move from that direction into that clarity, finding your genius, finding your voice, finding your confidence. So when we look back, and this is why you triggered that with, uh, with your statement, that when we go back the last time, we all have that fearless confidence and willingness to explore and discover is when we are children. Yes. Yes. So let's go back. How would you, how would a child take that new position? Mm -hmm. they, they would have curiosity. They would have interest. They would want to figure out if we could live every day, every moment with that childlike curiosity, it's going to be so much more fun to live even in the most mundane life. 
the trouble is, is as adults, things start becoming a burden because they start becoming a duty, a responsibility, and one weight and one weight and another weight goes on the shoulders and they forget why they stepped into it in the first place. You know, was it the intrigue of it? You know, what, what was it that you wanted to discover about it? What was it that you wanted to share about it? If you don't have an exuberance about what you do, you're never going to do it well. And if you've lost the exuberance, and then you've kind of taken on burdens and responsibilities and duties, and they've taken over the, the sheer joy of it. So going back to the childlike uh, innocence of just simple play, we don't play as adults, do we? We're so nope. self-conscious of being silly, you know, of, of, you know, at your age. Well, who says that you can't be silly and have fun and, and play at any age? Why is this only reserved for children? Yes, um, we, we did this uh, very early on, I think, um, because I, I was extremely lucky. My parents, although they, they, they were tough as nails and my mom is still tough as nails, um, they always let me be. They always mm. let me be who I was. And um, so many times you would love this one. I was always into sports that I was born to be an athlete. I will mm -hmm. die as an athlete. I think I'm going to be 104 years old and I'm going to be hitting a hole in one. And then I'm going to get so excited from healing, hitting a hole in one. It's like, I'm just literally just going to collapse and die right there. And then to have it. that's how it's going to be. Okay. I just, I already have written that plan for myself, but, but they let me be. So I'm a woman, right? I'm a girl. I'm youngest of three. And they tried so hard. They were putting, um, you know, this pretty clothing on me and, and dresses and whatever, whatever. And I right away took them off and put my <laughs> pants on and shorts on. No, no problem. And then there was this one situation which was so funny because I always would disappear after school. And instead of going home, of course, I would just stop to play a little soccer with my friends. Well, that little soccer turns into at night, dark. But they knew where I was. So one day my mother said listen you just gotta be a little bit more feminine so she gives me this crochet thing so i'm i starting to learn how to crochet and stuff and i actually enjoy that but i would still um you know would like to do my own thing so one day they come down again i'm it's getting late i am not home they come down to the square where we were uh, playing and they see that everybody's playing soccer all my usual friends they can't find clara <laughs> and they're like where's clara it's like oh She's on top of the tree, crocheting. crocheting. <laughs> so I was like, I was, I was doing it. I was feminine. I was, I was crocheting. I was just doing it on the top of the tree. Exactly. Was a lot more. <laughs> so it's just, you can't, and, and please understand, if you have childhood personality traits like this, you cannot take that out of yourself. The only thing you can do is you can repress, repress, repress because somebody, a, a teacher or maybe a parent or a grandparent told you that you're supposed to stop doing that silliness. You have to be, you have to be a good young man, woman, boy, girl, and you have to be responsible. No, you, you, yes, you do, but you have to find the playfulness in that responsibility. And let me give you an example for those of us that um, find themselves in exactly what you just said. You mentioned that it just suddenly it's a responsibility. Mm -hmm. So the caretaking that I have to do, God knows I did not choose this. I mean, maybe with my husband, the fact that we have a large age difference, I have chosen it in some ways, okay? But with my parents, I did not choose to come into their lives when they were in their 40s 
So therefore now, you know, choosing to take care of them. But at the same time, the fact that I became someone that would take care of them is a choice that I make. Right. So then one, one time we were in, um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I'm sure you are that in the hospitals, especially elderly, when they are in a hospital, they start to like completely lose, lose um, senses of where they are. And, and, and what all time stuff. it is, That's, what day it is. And everything, else. Yeah. everything. And they start to do some silly stuff. So my, and just, just in the hospital, like mom was the same way that she was in the hospital. She started to do some silly stuff and, um, and I was playing along. Like I played make believe with her. Right. So I, in the middle of the night at 10 PM, I would dress her up because she wanted to dress up. She wanted to go out and say hello to all the people there because they were her guests in her place. This was her <laughs> hospital. Right. And I said, well, and when my sister said, no, you can't, I said, no, no we go, we're going to go out. That's yeah. So she went out, dressed up. And I said, so how do you do this? Because I play make believe with life. Yeah. I play make believe. So if you feel, I mean, I could have been upset. I could have been sad. I could have been everything, but I decided let's just switch my brain because I can, they can't, they live a reality. That's their reality. Mm -hmm. Let me play the game. And, and where it's is, so where much is the harm in it? I mean, yeah, right. Nothing. Think about, oh, you're embarrassing yourself. Well, I'm not embarrassed by what I'm doing. If you are, that's on you. <laughs> you <know>? Exactly. <laughs> right? I mean, there are the people that, you know, are just complete idiots and go push it too far. Yes. You know, there is always a boundary, but if you can't have fun, you know, at any age. And, you know, when you're looking at um, some older people that there's some great pictures of people that are dressed to the nines, dressed mm -hmm. to the nines they're in their 80s they're in their 90s and they've still got flair and they've still got style and they're wearing things that you know maybe a teenager could get away with but they're carrying it off why confidence yeah right yes. and confidence is a i am me i'm confident in being me in the way i represent me and i'm going to do it without apology exactly but that's also it's it's rare for people and unfortunately we, somewhere among the, the midlife, we kind of lose it. Um, I, I don't know. I don't think there's a whole lot of people. There may be some people yeah. who can go through whole life knowing who they are. They yeah. must have had really healthy childhoods um, or just, you know, something a repellent, like a opinion repellent, yeah. bug, <laughs> something yes. on them. I don't know. <laughs> bounces um, right off, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it bounces like one of those shields, <laughs> those invisible shields. I, don't, I, so I certainly didn't have that. No, no I um, didn't either. <laughs> but... But the point is, what I, what I like about this is that um, the confidence is, they always ask me, because one of my biggest thing is when they say, um, when, I, when I used to not know how to be confident, and I would go out and compete, and people would say, well, just, just be confident. And I'm like, how? Well, <laughs> how do I become? Thank you so much. I, I appreciate that. I totally know I'm supposed to be confident, but I am not. So how are we going to do that? So then in my trials and tribulations, I discovered the steps to confidence that I teach. And there are some real key factors in there. And one of them, and I will not you know, share any secrets with that. One of them is really truly knowing who you are, because right. if you don't act from your inner being, mm -hmm. you will never be confident. So yeah. let me give you an example with the, um, with my golf and with the championships. So for six years, I was, um, I was struggling. I was choking every year. I would be 
kidding. I would be having phenomenal scores in practices just to be awful. I mean, downright awful in competition. And I just didn't know what's going on, what's going on, what's going on. And then one of the discoveries I made is just a tiny mind shift. And that's now I can literally, when I talk to someone 15, 20 minutes, I know where, where this first problem is immediately. So for me, it was that when I played golf, when I was practicing golf, when I was learning golf, I wanted to be a golfer. Right. But here is the news. I'm never going to be a golfer. What I am is an extremely talented athlete who is golfing. Right. Mm -hmm. And once I made that, let me give you an example in, in an actual skill execution. Once I made that, then when I was getting up for practice and for play, I wasn't anymore. I was not worried about how pretty my swing looks. Right. Not for a second, because I made this realization, I will never have that pretty swing that if I would have had when I was learning at age five. What I, I do have is when I put the target in mind where mm -hmm. I have to go, I went after the feeling of what yeah. does it feel like to make the shot. And in the moment I made that, it was night and day in my performance. So you have to figure out when you want to be a speaker or when you want to be a coach, where you want to be, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure of, of your viewership or your listenership, but what you want to do is you have to find yourself yes. within that new adventure. Yes. And that was one of my biggest learning experiences. And, and why are you doing it? Because, you know, are you doing it for show? Mm -hmm. Are you doing it for the audience? Like there's many an actor and performer that they do it because they just love the adrenaline of the audience. Or mm -hmm. are you doing it because when you get up on your, in a present stage, that the moment that you press that button to whatever you're doing, you become it. You know, you see it with young singers or people who aren't very confident in themselves. And when, you, when, they're, when you're talking to them, you know, they're, they're, they're really nervous and shy. And the moment mm -hmm. the music goes on or the moment they have to perform, transformation. They yeah. aren't doing it. They are it. And that's the Absolutely. difference, isn't it? Yeah. So are you doing it to look at my swing? Mm -hmm. you know uh, how sexy it is or how you do it because the end goal is to get that ball in the hole absolutely and 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 the best part really is um if you can do it like uh, there was um i think it was in uh america got talent where there was this young girl she was coming in she was like a twig tiny little thing and yes. thin is a thing and she comes in and she literally shy like yeah. this and in the and and the music goes, as you just said, and it was a Janis Joplin. I know, remember her. You remember that she one? She transformed the body, the voice, the... Who are you? <laughs> and you were like, what? What? What's yes. happening? And it's just because she is one with that persona, yes. I guess. And yes. she could become herself in Janis Joplin. Yes. You know, and that's and that was actually, by the way, my second secret that I found in my in my process is that we have to develop an avatar. 
So if I want to be a golfer, I have now an avatar for that. If I want to be a speaker, I, I have that. So in all of my different positions. So for example, when I'm caretaking and I, I trust me, I am not there. I'm not saying I'm there, but I think when I'm caretaking, I think of what and how would mother Teresa do this? Mm. How would she do this? Um, how would Florence Nightingale do this? How, how would they do this? How, where do they get the patience? Where is that driven sense of duty mm-hmm. that also allows for that patience? Yeah. And it's the same thing with everything that I do and teaching and so forth. I have role models that I literally look at and I put together the characteristics that I love. And that's one of the things I help with my, with the, my clients is that we literally look at their role models, pull together the mm-hmm. personalities from that. And then we are able to say, okay, you are attracted to that personality because you have it in you. Right. So we have to cultivate it. Yeah. So it's like a lot of fun stuff nowadays to do this yes. work. Yeah. The, when we used to call the inner diva, right. You know, is, um, I think an awful lot of time, the exterior of us is, um, I have to be what people expect me to be. Right. Yes. And, and you're in that expectation and what goes on in your mind is that, but if I do this, they may not get that. I need to be like that in order for them to receive you. And what we're saying to everyone is be yourself, be your true self, but who is your true self? Yeah. Right? Well, what is your why and what drives you? What is your passion? Because that becomes your conviction. And then you are just truly yourself and people can take you or leave you. Don't go and do anything looking for someone's approval or ratings, right? To popularity. The, li- the likes. Yes, yeah. because that's, that's insecurity. That's constant need for validation. You know, mm-hmm. the thing is when you get up and do whatever you're doing and you know you're doing it for the right reason and you love it and you're giving it your best and you're doing, giving it your best because that's the only way you know how mm-hmm. and you're putting everything behind it, then whoever receives it or whatever the reaction is, is out of your hands at this point, but be genuine to you and what it is that you have to share and what you have to give. Absolutely. And the, and the part about that is exactly as you stated, that if you are doing it that way, yeah. then even if the likes don't come, like um, we had a couple of interviews this week and I just enjoyed the process so much. And there may not be any comments. I mean, there were a couple, but it's, a, it's not, I can't expect right. that thousands of people are now no. going to jump. No, that's not the point. The point is, how do I feel preparing for these interviews, during the interviews, and after the interviews? And I can tell you, most of the time, I can't come down on a high, and I can't mm-hmm. come down for a while. Yes. So it, this is, it just... Again, I just have to keep going back every time. When, when we were children and we were learning to walk, and when we fell, it was not about you know, berating ourselves. We right. got up and we did it again. Yes. And then we had this goal in us that I, I, I didn't know. I, I can tell you, I don't remember, but I'm pretty sure that at age one or two, I did not know that I want to walk for walk's sake. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just figured there is mommy 
<laughs> mom is trying to call for me then i'm gonna try to do something so for for now i was doing crawling maybe i can do something it was just allowing the natural natural process of the human growth yeah but what we do by putting out all these goals for ourselves that um we allow those to put, provide a pressure for us we're not really allowing the natural growth of our humanity to do its right. job. We are forcing ourselves. So when somebody says to me that, well, by now you should have uh, at least a six figure coaching business mm -hmm. or a seven figure coaching business or a this and that, that says who? The advertisements. Mm -hmm. What you need to do is you need to grow you just like a tree. A tree doesn't go around checking out that which limb is growing, which direction and so forth and so on. So why are we constantly so worried about that instead of join, enjoying this very moment? Yes. Do its very best. And then let's see, we may grow this way. We may grow that way. So this goal setting, the traditional goal setting for me is actually um, becoming, I think, a hindrance more than than something. So, so if you have a, a dream, like I had the dream, this is a dream I had. Right. But I never thought about, okay, oh, oh my God, so if I don't do this, no, I wasn't, you know, contracting myself in the dream. Right. You know, you, you said a few key words here, you know, one is allow, it's a big word with me. And it's like, allow yourself to be and allow yourself to discover, allow yourself to explore, allow yourself to fall, allow yourself to hug yourself and care for yourself in getting back up and allow others to help you along the way. We don't allow because, no, no, I can do it myself. I can do it myself. Or we have to pay, you know, exorbitant amounts to coaches to, to tell us what to do. And it's not telling you what to do. It's giving you the knowledge for you to do it for yourself. And this six or seven finger, you know, um, for me is where does the enrichment and the abundance lie? And the enrichment and the abundance lies the effect that you have on other lives. Have you enriched yeah. them? The abundance is the way you feel for putting out a good product and, and having people be enriched by it. And, you know, the money, yes, it's all very nice. We need the money. But that is a commodity. And if we're working just for the six and seven figures, I think we've lost the meaning of what enrichment yeah. really is. Or maybe doing what we're doing for the wrong reason. Because if you're driven yeah. by the money, you're not driven by the cause. No, absolutely. And uh, no, I totally agree with you. And that allowing is really, uh, I think it's maybe one of the biggest and most important concepts. And you pointed out perfectly well on that one, because um, I think finally, the majority of, of us uh, are starting to see that the traditional raising of children, the traditional schooling, the traditional corporate work environment, the traditional even in, um, in, in, in uh, the attorney's life, that, that type of environment is starting to fail. Yes. And the reason why it's starting to fail is because it's not allowing the people that they bring in to be themselves right and that's with the schooling i'm you know i teach in a university i have a phenomenal job thank you so much lord i love it 
but I'm spending the majority of my time allowing the students to find themselves. And it's so hard for them. I cannot tell you when I give them an assignment and I don't give the step-by-step -step right. way of solving Paid by that. numbers. Yeah. Holy cow. They are lost. Yes. Like, I said, listen, gents, that's not my job to teach you how to do that. My job is to lead you to learn to discover how to solve your problems. Right. And this is a problem I'm giving you because, yes. Yes. you know, you can read everything in books, but how to do that mindset that you're solving problems because, you know, otherwise you just, there's certain things you just can't find in Google. I'm sorry. <laughs> And, and that's actually become very, very much the problem, hasn't it? Is that, you know, we're, we're uh, abstaining, you know, thinking for ourselves or, or working it out for ourselves and looking at Google and everything else for the answer and just applying the answer. You know, who are our adventurers? They, they went down the unbeaten path. They paved a path for us, but they didn't know what was around the next corner. They didn't even know what was in the next step, but there was a sense of wonderment and exploration and, and uh, you know, a certain amount of tools that they carried with them in order to deal with something. And when they had something in front of them, they didn't know how to deal with, they worked it out. And, yes. you know, having everything so instant on the phone, Google, this, that, et cetera, we're doing a disservice to how did you get to that answer? You need to know the steps because when you're out there, quote, in the wilderness um, and you don't have any tools with you, nature will always provide everything you need. But if you're not aware of it and you don't know how to use it or how to explore it, that you've just gone into panic and go, help, then you're yeah. not going to be able to help yourself and you shouting help. Maybe nobody can hear you. So that self-sufficiency of being able to do juice and work things out is essential for every human being. And actually you mentioned something at the beginning of your uh, comment, which was very, very important. And I, again, I don't know if people can really um, see its importance. This has been proven research after research that if we actually solve a problem with our own problem solving skills, okay? that is characterized as a creation. Right. And when a human creates, what happens is chemically, the response is that it releases a ton of our happy hormones from mm. dopamine to everywhere all the way through. And what it does, that sense of creation with the chemicals, even in the biggest, most stressful situation in your life, it will compensate that cortisol that comes from the stress. It will even it out or maybe even win out. Right. So when people tell me sometimes that, how come that you do so many things and you haven't broken down, thankfully not yet, knock on my you know, wooden head, <laughs> because I said to them, every time what I am very careful with is that even though I have all these responsibilities, I have creative work every day scheduled into my day. So I have one of my clients right now. She is a um, pianist. She's a piano teacher. She's a vocalist and also she's a pianist. And she's, she wants to build her uh, piano school and music ministry and all those other things. So specifically for that stress reduction, 
I built her for me. I said to her, I said, every day, I don't know what time of the day, you need to put out some form of improvisation Mm. that you are called to do because that is your creative process. Right. And we started to do that about a month ago and her mental health and her ability and her physical health is just switched just by that one thing. I said, whatever you feel called to do to create, but I know that you love to improvise on piano and the organ, do it because that improvisation is going to create for, your, for you those happy hormones that go into either compensate or even win out of all the stresses. Right. And then also the other part of that is that you also feel that at that moment, that was my me time. And you talked about the me time. Yes. The me time is so important. And especially women um, in, in our middle age, we have to do so many things for others. We need that me time. It's, it's the, the rejuvenation, right? Yeah. It's, it's the way that the, the generator kind of gets starting again. And as far as the creativity is concerned, we are creative creatures. Look at everything that we have today. Somebody created it somehow, through, generally through necessity, right? That's where the, the creativity comes from. But creation, because it's where your heart and soul is, it's what drives you. It's what liberates and uplifts you and you never know what's going to come out of it, right? And you never know who's going to be inspired by it. So you can have a controlled piece where you're actually learning the mechanics of something on how to apply this and apply that. But if you don't allow the creativeness of the exploration of just the allowing, not thinking, just letting the fingers do the work and allowing that creativity coming out, you're missing the point of what you're doing in the first place. You're going back into what we said right in the beginning, responsibility and duty, and you've forgotten how to play and have the joy out of it. So that creativity is the joy, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we were designed for that. And then, and then they were saying the, the other part of research was that um, the same people when they were given what they were going to create instead of them creating it they mm -hmm. were giving so for example they were you know making the plates or they were you know doing some with tools or they all those different things they they tried all kinds of variations and if they were given whatever the final thing was as opposed to when they were making it no matter how much prettier that looked did not give them the same satisfaction and sustainable satisfaction right and these are the things I try to teach to my students is that try to like, for example, with the equipment, um, a lot of times, even if I have the proper equipment to teach them, I tell them, no, you will make the equipment. Right. You have to learn to make the equipment. And that creation process, first of all, it's so good against any kind of um, yeah. uh, mental issues. Uh, it's just because it just takes your mind away from the thoughts yeah. that are bringing you down. Right. It goes into that moment. So it's, it's essential. It is absolutely essential. I'm, I'm, you know, I've got this at the back of my mind, so I have to bring it up. It, you know, America's Got Talent was, uh, had the finale last night, and it, it was very, very diverse this year. And, you know, there oh, wasn't, I didn't even see it. Oh, um, no, it really, like... um, really, really diverse, and a lot of um, different forms of creativity, and uh, a lot of young people with amazing talent. But they had actually um, a, a, a speaking poet 
you know, who speaks in. in oh, yeah. In, is it, yeah. I remember the beginning. So yes, he made it yes. through the final. He made it to the final. Wow. He won. And the, wow. the thing about it is, is that this is also something to remember in life. Timing. Why did he appeal so much to the audience? Because what he spoke about, generally, that virtually everybody could relate to. Mm -hmm. Right. When he talked about his mom, always being worried about whether he was going to come home safely. When he talks about his own baby, when he, he talked about his sister, somewhere along the line, we could relate to it. He was almost telling our story. And yes. but had that been a couple of years ago, maybe we, we wouldn't have collectively been in the right mindset to receive it. But we were ready to hear because he was speaking to the times of a lot of the anguish that's going on and a lot of the pain that we're carrying. And hence, you know, he won because of it. So even everything we're doing in life, we can, we can do, we can do, we can be creative, we can be this and that. But sometimes it is about the timing. Is what you have, um, is the time right for it to be out there, you know, for people to really want to do it? And don't give up because... You never know all of a sudden what you are presenting is, ah, oh, I need that. And so it's just keep on being, keep on doing what you love, what your passion, what your commitment is, and it will hit the right audience at the right time. It's very interesting that you just said that because you actually pointed something out for me that I did not, I did not put the dots together until you mentioned it. And I thank you for that because um, six years, more than that really, but six years was really, really difficult when I was trying to win this championship. And finally in 2015, I won. And I cannot tell you, I was so, so, in a high the emotional mm. high was incredible to the point that and I was in and just in the zone and in the flow and everything it took me two beers to bring me down to earth <laughs> okay <laughs> on empty stomach because I don't eat yeah. when I compete I just eat bits and pieces so literally they immediately give me one beer I mean, I, I was still I, I was hugging my opponent I mean I was like, <laughs> and that that's before the beer so the point was that you just made for me is that that experience that I really built for myself, I've done it on my own. I would, there was no support per se. So there was nobody else doing it. I was doing the work. I was, I was going through the pain. I cried so much. I remember one time when I lost years before, I literally ran from that hole that I lost. I ran all the way back to the clubhouse, crying and running at the same time. So I have experienced so much stuff. So when that incredible moment came, everything that has been happening since yes. has been a challenge after challenge after challenge. Father getting ill in 2016, dying in 17. Mother getting ill in 2018, almost lost her. She came back. I don't know how, but she also has uh, uh, cognitive issues. Then husband getting sick in 2019, and we haven't been able to solve it. Not going to be able to solve that. So everything after that has been challenge after challenge. 
But because I had that experience, mm-hmm. I can handle it. Yes. I can think back in my lowest moments now. I can literally think back what it felt like to stand on the 27th grain knowing that I did it and I never gave up. So you're right. I actually am getting goosebumps <laughs> because you're absolutely right that for me to win it then, if I would have won it five years earlier, right. maybe I would not make, it would not make that difference for me. But not. No, you, it wouldn't have been the same the appreciation. No. It wouldn't have been the no. same exuberance. Um, and it wouldn't have, you know, this, this height that you had in the winning because of the struggle, the struggle against yourself, the struggle yeah. with yourself, because it was you that was in your way. And until you changed your mindset and realized why you were doing it, right? Yeah. You're, you're the athlete who's playing golf rather than the golfer. When you got there and you had that exuberance, you know what that absolute ultimate joy is about, right? Yeah. That, that, um, that orgasmic feeling, right? Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. That really was what it was in some, in some really, really weird way. It was, it, it was a mental orgasm. <laughs> and honestly, that's what it was. It was just, it was just a moment that, that just have given me so much and so much belief in myself too, that no matter what's going to come, I will overcome it. Right. I will get through it, mm-hmm. you know, and my trophy now is, is a smile on my husband's face. It's a, it's, it's, it's a touch that I can do for my mom. That's my trophy now. Yes. But the the bigger trophy for you is the fact that you didn't give up. You didn't give in. You were willing to work on yourself to get to that moment, Mm -hmm. right? That's the biggest trophy. It's not the medal. That's the icing on the cake. The fact that you won against yourself. Yes. And despite myself. And it's despite (laughs) yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because we are our biggest competitors, aren't we? You know, we, yeah. we, if we kind of lose sight of why we're doing something, you know, we're competing against ourselves and we are the blockage that stops us from going anywhere. And I think, again, that comes back to that expectation of, of you should be, mm-hmm. you know, and, and if we're constantly trying to live up to those should be's, you know, we forget about why we're doing it um, and what the real fight is about and it's really just the journey of exploration of can I do it I believe I can do it let's try and do it look I've done it right well guess what again that's why I love interviews (laughs) because just talking to you right now it also connected some other dots for me which I think would be very important for everyone who listens so it took me about six years to get that trophy. It took me about six, seven years to get my doctorate. It took me double the work to get my bachelor's because I came from a, because I didn't study in elementary school. Mm-hmm. So I could only get into vocational school. So from vocational school, I had to double study to get into college. Um, my tenure and my promotion took me double time than normal. So I'm just realizing that every time when I went into a new adventure, I went in with that goal perspective as opposed to the being in the now perspective. Mm -hmm. And as you said, I think I 
sabotage myself and every single one of these new adventures thinking that I should know this by now. Right. I think that's exactly it. So I should be further ahead. Mm -hmm. I should be all these things. So when you mentioned the should, I was like, wait a minute, this is a pattern. And if there is a pattern, there is a reason for the pattern. And we are in an age now where we are going to live longer, mm -hmm. hopefully healthy, mm -hmm. which means that we're going to get interested in new things yes. more frequently. Yes. So if you take the I should into that new experience, you're just going to shoot yourself in the foot. Exactly. It's going to be self-sabotage all the way. So what you need to do is you literally have to take that child perspective into mm -hmm. every new adventure. Every new adventure. I don't know where it's taking me. I'm taking this step and then this step and then this step. And the next time, maybe I can run to mama. I don't yes. know. It reminds me when I was at boarding school, we lived um, marshes and uh, woods and things around us. And I remember on Sundays, we were taken out for a long walk. And, you know, as young kids, we'd look at, oh, God, that's so far. But we had a teacher said, you know, we're going to walk to that tree and see what that, now we're going to go and walk over there and explore that. Now we're going to walk mm -hmm. over there and explore that. Next thing you know, we're back. We're home. We've had a good time. We've had an adventure. Okay. It wasn't about that. the long oh, walk. Are we home yet? It was each step was a discovery. All right. And the next thing you know, you're home with all this wonderment and everything, excitement of what you've discovered. Why can we not journey through life that way? You know that you wanted your doctorate. You know you wanted to accomplish that. But if you were in discovery of the journey in getting there, it wouldn't have been the should have. It was the joy of doing it. And honestly, you're right. And chances are we probably would have gotten it half time, you know, you know like half whatever. Half much, the time. much faster. <laughs> yeah. That's it. I can't speak. Hey, I can start speaking in Hungarian, so that would help a lot. That's okay. If you need to speak in Hungarian, we can translate it afterwards. I mean, but let's no, look, but at your, look at your adventure right now. The book. Yeah, well, that's, that's, um, the book came in, um, this was uh, because, you know, in 2015, I had my big win. But then after that, one by one, and even at work, uh, that was some major issue that it's so much fun to look back on that now because now all those people that created the problem are just trying to be my best friend and it's so much fun. It's, it's like, yeah, mm-hmm, yep, whatever. Because, oh, you judgmentalists, yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Especially that I actually didn't make any mistakes. That's the best part about yeah. it, but that's a, that's a different story. Um, the, uh, the only problem I had apparently, um, that was told by my Dean is that Clara, the only problem you have, uh, is that you care about the students too much. And I said, oh, okay, well then maybe I should not be in this institution, but that, that again, things have changed since. Yeah. But the book, so, um, like everything really started and I was really not feeling well and um, this originally started about 12 years ago, the book, the, 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 the experience, yeah. the experience. I always wanted to write a book. Don't ask me why. I'm sure a majority of people do um, because we all have a story. Yes. And then um, in 2016, when my father got ill and I had to go home to Hungary, um, I chose to go home to Hungary again. The verbiage counts. 
I chose to go home to Hungary to set everything up for him. I was able to do it because of my profession and because I you know, haven't missed a day of work in 20 years so I could go home. So seeing him, uh, who was always my rock in many ways, both my parents, but my dad in some ways, he was never really sick. The only time he was in the hospital is when he broke a bone doing something mm -hmm. silly, you know? at probably not an age when he should have. <laughs> so it was just every day, it was about just taking how much work it was for him to take another breath, yeah, to take another step. And I was like, oh my God, life is so precious. Yes. And he was literally fighting for one more sunrise to see one more sunset with me. That's a specialty sun, sunset. Um, and just to, just to live another day. And I was working at home every, every morning. I was getting up six, seven o'clock. We got a phenomenal caretaker to work with him. We get up, we had to clean out the whole apartment. My father was second world war veteran. So he had the absolute hoarding action. You, you have no idea how much stuff he had. So cleaning everything out. But at the end of the day, I go to bed and suddenly at 2 a.m. I wake up and I had to write. Mm -hmm. And that happened every single night. I was up from 2 to 4 or 2 to 5, write, write, write. And this book that wanted to write itself for yeah. 12 years wrote itself in three weeks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That was it. And it just, it was just a you were phenomenal in the zone. experience. You were in the zone. I you, was in the zone. Yeah, you opened it up and let it, and, and allowed. And yes, allowed and it I, pulled, I pulled everything together. Um, this is a guidebook to uh, manage personal and career and um, relationship transitions. This is a guidebook that anybody can pick up. Even my associate dean said that, that that's a good book. So when they say that, I'm okay with that, <laughs> you know? Um, and it's just a book that really helps people with practical guidance. It's not my winning my blueprint. I have to write that too. And again, when it's ready in my moment to write, I will write it. Yeah, it will but download. It's, yeah. yeah, it's not my not my normal practical coaching, but it has a ton of other practical ideas. Excellent. You know, I, again, it's um, you know, way back when if you said you're going to be writing a book and you're going to be doing this and you're going to be doing that, you know, I mean, it's like me with podcasting, you know, when somebody first asked me to do, to join her network on a podcast, go, what's a podcast? You know, mm -hmm. and it's like, do I know if I can do it or not? I don't know. I'll just go ahead. My first show was disastrous. I pressed all the wrong buttons, you know, <laughs> but, but that's been the story of my life is that I don't know if I can do it or not. The only thing I can do is try and see. And sometimes yeah. like, oh, no, this is not for me. And other times like, wow, I didn't know I had that ability because mm -hmm. we don't know what we can do unless we're willing to try. So yeah. it's like, oh, no, I'll never be a book of me. I'll never do that. I'll never do this and do that. That verbiage, you're just telling your psyche you can't do it. And your psyche will believe that. But if you go, anything is possible. And whatever is possible, I am open and ready to receive when the time is right. Yes. And... When I say this to sometimes to people that I, I want to inspire, they tell me, um, yes, but, but I don't know how, I don't, I don't know. Don't worry about the, the I don't know and the but. Yeah. I say, it is only one thing 
that every human knows how to do. Every human knows how to do. And that's all I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to make a decision. Mm. I'm asking you to make a decision. If you have, if you want to live in the drama and mm. the whatever, a self-deprecating, I'm just not, I'm just not, I can't do I, Fine. You made that decision. Yes. But if you made that decision, I am not the person for you. Right. Exactly. Okay. But if you are ready to make a decision that you're going to leave that behind. And as of this moment, I make the decision that I am going to watch my thoughts, watch my language, watch my feelings, watch my emotions. Then you are for me. Because you are choosing to be engaged. Yes. And, and when you're engaged, you become, you become receptive. Right? Mm -hmm. And when you're receptive, you're participating in your, own, in your own healing or your own discovery. It's, again, a lot of the time people will go to someone and uh, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. And it's, and it's one size fits all. Right. And the person over here is not connected yet, not connected to to that. And it's just like, you want me to do what? But, but when they're ready and it's like, I'm tired of this verbiage. I'm tired of feeling like this. I am tired of my life going down this spiral. I don't know how to turn it around. But what I can do is make a decision to turn mm -hmm. it around. Now I'm going to find somebody that I have a synergy with, that I can hear, that I can relate to, that's going to guide me on how to turn it around. That's actually the only thing, honestly, um, I completely agree with you. The only thing that I know that everyone in every decision, in every, in every situation, no matter how bad it is, they can make a decision to attack it. They can make a decision to look at it. It's just the one thing we can do is make a decision. Yes. And then the next part is like right now, I made a financial decision for myself for the, for, for, for December 24th. Okay. So by December 24th, I am going to have this and this and this and that in my business. I made that decision. But guess what? I don't care how. Mm -hmm. I made the decision. I put it out there to the universe. And every day when I get up, I do exactly what my soul, my intuition, mm -hmm. my whatever dictates with the exception of obviously when I have to teach my classes for the university, I do. Um, if I have to be a, on a meeting, I do. But other than that, everything for my own private life, I just made the decision. It's out there. And then I follow whatever comes in my way. Exactly. That's Deal it. with the now. Deal with the now. What we're, we're so busy. I mean, you know, maybe that was also one of the reasons why you didn't win until the sixth, uh, sixth year is that the, the emphasis on the winning. I've got mm -hmm. to win. I've got to win. And Taylor's like, I've just got to enjoy what I'm doing. I've got to enjoy the play. All right. And, and the winning is the icing on the cake. If we look at the why we're doing it and, and does it relate to us every day and we can then see the opportunities that present itself. We can see um, the wisdom that is there in a conversation with someone 
right? We can see little triggers of this and that happening, but it's that willingness to stop looking at the end goal of I have to, I desire to. I yes. desire to have this accomplished by that date. But we know with the universe, there is no dates, right? They have a different calendar altogether and they'll present it when it's right. But if you take the steps of I'm willing to be in my now and learn what I need to learn, do what I need to do in the moment, in the now, with the knowledge and the wisdom I have now, you are preparing your path for that success. And then you just surrender and go, I I am doing what you've asked me to do. I'm doing it with passion and conviction and love. And when the time is right, the time is right. But here is our big problem. We are completely, completely taking this out of our children's life. Yeah. Because when they come to school, mm -hmm. they come to school with this playful being in the now experience and the wonderment about what they and the wonderment learn. and the moment and, but oh when i learned that in elementary school we are doing standardized testing you testing what exactly what the hell are you testing it's I'm institutional sorry. isn't it it's so institutional it's, it's you know so bad yeah I and, agree. and what it does it turns them from the now into yeah. I have, and the same thing happens to teachers. Mm -hmm. The poor teachers, they don't want to teach to a test. No. But if they don't teach to a test, then the students don't pass. If the students don't pass, they reflect on the teacher. This is ridiculous. And yeah. I am so upset about that. This is the one that when I have the time to myself, this is going to be one of my cause because this is killing children's imagination, ability to be in the now, no wonder that by the time they get to middle school and high school, anxiety is like 400 times more yes. than it has been before. No wonder that they're putting them on all kinds of medicine. You, you are, not, not, it's not the children. Yeah. It's us. Yes. It's the administration. It's the whole process. But look what we're telling them too. We're telling them that unless you get X or Y, uh, Z marks, you are dumb or you're not trying or you're lazy or you're inadequate, you're not enough. And then they're around their peers and the peers, well, I got 100% of my test. What yeah. did you get? <laughs> and, you know, I got 50% loser. And so they're mm -hmm. getting it from the double whammy and everything is telling them you are only going to be a success if you're up in the top grade and kissing teachers butt but you are not if you're struggling in one area look at how many people that when we leave them to the devices and look at an awful lot of our kids today they saw a need and they came up with a creation mm -hmm. right yeah and a lot of that creation was common sense and the ability to be in the now and see how we put it together as you said, school takes that out of them. No, no, you Absolutely. must reform. You can't do it that way. You've got to do it this way. And we kill any form of individualism, creativity, and we have them comply like nice little soldiers. Yes. I could not, honestly, <coughs> I, I, I prepare teachers. I prepare teachers for the school systems. I try them for the four years that they are with me. I try to point out to them that when they're going to be teachers to understand that even if they have to teach to a test, there are ways to do that to yes. not to also destroy children's credibility, uh, uh, ability to imagine and to be in the now and create. Or believe in themselves. But, 
believe in themselves and all that stuff. But um, if I would have children now, I, I would not, I would, I would, I would homeschool them. I could not, yeah. I could, I could not do it. I just could not do what happens there because, and also with, with, um, with the sports. Yes. That early, early specialization is also, it, it's incredible. It's incredible because it takes not only that it doesn't allow them to grow fully, but also they take them to one direction, which also means that those body parts are going to break down. Yeah. So if they're specialized early, that's great. But by the time they are 18, 19, they have such level of sport injuries that's going mm -hmm. to stop them from going to professional, right. which was originally the plan. Right. It's not going to happen. It's, yeah. it's, it's just so messed up. But and, again, okay. and again, it's that, uh, you know, that duty, that competitiveness. And very often you will see it's either the coach or the, or the parent that is pushing the kid because they want the glory of their kid being the best rather mm -hmm. than you love doing this. Okay, let's, let's do it because you love doing it. Right. But to pace oneself, because as you said, this vehicle, if you don't look after it, it's going to break down and it's broken down for a long time. Yeah. So, you know, one has to do things within the parameters of our body, our mindset or our emotional set. Look at how many athletes reach the top and then drop out of it altogether. Yeah. And, and how, many people, how many people I've known that become doctors and just say, okay, I, I've become the doctor, I've pleased my parents, and now I'm going to go and do something totally different. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, I, I, I completely agree with you. We've got to I tap to into our children. Lucky. Yeah, we've got yeah. to listen to our children. Our children, the best teachers are the children that learn from, uh, the, are the teachers that learn from the children. You know, they can see how a child learns. I did, out of 12 years of schooling, I only completed six because I was a very sickly child. And then I was so far behind, I just exempted myself from school at the age of 16. Education mm -hmm. wasn't for me. They couldn't teach me um, the way I learned. Right. Mm -hmm. So it was if you didn't conform to that learning and if you didn't have an ability to learn that way, back of the class, fail grade, you, you just throw you away. And I was one mm -hmm. of those. And for me, everything that I've learned has come instinctually and the willingness to be open to learn. Um, but I still can't learn academically. I'm not wired that way. And mm -hmm. if we look at some of the kids today. Look at our autistic kids. We think they're flawed and broken. No, they're just yeah. operating on a different frequency. They're incredibly creative and talented. Uh, they're very, very directional. And they just don't, they're just not wired for all the other stuff. But yeah. look at the gift that they are. And we can learn a lot because it's asking us to step into their mindset instead of demanding they step into ours. Exactly. And the thing is too with, uh, with, with, with that particular area, is that we say that children who have any kind of documented whatever type of disability that they are broken. But, and even, I'm not saying bigger, but a similarly big problem is that we think that we are broken. Yes. That oh, we boy. think that if I am not, if I haven't, you know, or in, in the entrepreneurs that I have, I should have mm. made whatever and something is wrong with me. Right. Or I should have done it's something. No, there's nothing wrong with us. And even if you have depression, negative 
energy, if you are broke, if you are in debt, if you are sick, there's nothing wrong with you. Right. There's nothing, you're not broken. And my biggest discovery, I think, of all this experience was that I'm not broken. I am exactly at the point in life where I should be right now. Mm -hmm. This is exactly where I have to be. Everything that I am is what I'm supposed to be. And there is absolutely nothing that needs to be fixed on me. Right. There's a beautiful new word out there right now. Flossom. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, it's, uh, and it's one of those things where, where, where um, I may want to improve. Of course, of I course, want to grow. I want to thing, improve. Yeah. But the basic mechanics of my mind and my body and my, there's nothing wrong with me. And if people could just understand that and, uh, and make that decision that I am, I'm not saying I am perfect because that just puts pressure on you. Just, I'm, I'm not broken. I'm exactly who I'm supposed to be at this moment of my life, right now, right here. Flawsome. We've all got flaws. All right? And to somebody else, it may be a bigger flaw than others. But, you know, what we do is we embrace the imperfections, the flaws in us. They become part of our character. Some of it you can rectify. Some of it is just the quirkiness of who you are. And it's folding it into the various layers that you are. If we start demanding, which we have been doing, that everybody fits into this nice, neat, neat little box um, that is this and is that and this is that, and that's the only way to accept them. We are the ones that are losing out. When we look at people who have stepped into themselves and put forth the beautiful, flawsome, imperfection glory, now we actually realize what a, a jewel we actually do have but we decided because it had a little crack in it it's flawed and it is that beautiful flaw that makes them awesome yes absolutely perfection is boring anyway come on and what is perfection it's all in the eye of the beholder <laughs> you have 10 yeah. people looking at a painting and every single person is going to see it from a different point of view yeah so anybody who thinks they're perfect or anybody who's trying to live up to perfect is just basically hanging themselves because who's perfection? I guarantee yeah. you might be perfect for one person, but somebody else is going to come along and say, oh, no, you're totally imperfect. And then what have you done to yourself? You've shattered yourself. So stop yeah. trying to living up to these somebody else's high ideals. No, absolutely. And your own should be that you are literally exactly in the right place in the right way. And that's, and I think that would really lead people to that. For me, when I realized that I am not broken, I had this incredible calmness just descend on me and say, oh, okay. And I think that was one of the worst results of all this self-development movement is that it was always trying to fix people. Yes. There is no need to be fixed. No. Because you're not broken how to use your particular flawsomeness in your own unique way. I have numerous amounts of flaws and I have just made them me and I've utilized them in my own way. Uh, you should interview like so-and-so, like so-and-so. No, so-and-so interviews mm. like so-and-so. I interview so like Sarah. You know, what you're getting is Sarah. You're going to get the same Sarah you meet in the street as you are here. This is me. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I'm somebody's strong cup of cup of black coffee. Um, 
the thing is, if we stop trying to be everything for everyone else, because if you're trying to be everything for everyone else, you are going to lose yourself. You are enough that's, being you. That's actually an excellent point because um, as far as uh, my business was concerned, one of the biggest things that I discovered is that um, all of us, everyone that's mm -hmm. going into entrepreneurship, they're going through the same exact problem that they are afraid that if they really specialize into an area that's specifically something that they can give to this very specific group, then they're not going to have enough potential clients and prospects. And once I realized what my specific area is, that it's not all entrepreneurs, it's not all professionals, yes. it's not all high achievers. I have to have someone that is literally stuck in trying to do something big for themselves. And it's just a touch bigger than what they can do. And they literally spiraling down. Yeah. That's the one because that's the biggest thing that I can do and help people with. And it comes sometimes in the test anxiety for people that like the, the bar exam that they need to pass the test in order for them to yes. become a lawyer after all these years of, yeah. of learning. It has somebody that is uh, wants to scale up in their business and they just, they keep sabotaging themselves. Mm -hmm. There's something underneath that. But the point is, is that we all have to know exactly what type of people we can serve and want to serve. And that's why I find sometimes that people struggle, uh, professionals struggle with this because their clientele is just, okay, this person is willing to give me whatever money I'm going to work with. No, no, it's not going to be good for you. No. And then you're not going to have the success. And then you're going to think you're broken, but you're not broken. You're just going the wrong direction. But this <laughs> is, this people. is where, you know, why I do these shows. People listening to this right now that are at that crossroads that are needing to take a different direction and don't know what there's holding back. If they've heard you and they feel there's a synergy with you, they've related to you, then you are most likely going to be able to help them. But yeah. if they've listened and they go, oh, no, not my style, that's fine, right? Yeah. Because you must, don't go to someone because they're popular or because they're so successful. Go to someone that hears you because you hear them. Yes, that's a great point because uh, we were just talking about this too is, some people are asking me in my group, um, Rock Your Resilience and Rebuild, that's my free Facebook group where, you know, it just exploded in the last couple of months because of all the uh, issues around COVID and, and, uh, and I do daily lives, uh, not as much daily now, but regularly we doing work. And I started a new segment, a new way of doing things. And I said, oh, I'm, I'm going to interview other mindset experts. Mm -hmm. And I go, wait a minute. They're going to they're gonna potentially steal your clients. I said, no, 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 that's not how it works. No. The, my goal in life is to have every single person bring the best out of themselves. Right. That's my goal in life. Yes. And some will take it from me because they like me. They right. like my style. And some will take it from somebody else. But if there is someone out there who, for example, I learn from, because I have my own, I have my own business coach and I have my own mindset coach because there are things you cannot see. It, it's like, you yes. know, that the blindfold in front of yeah. you that you just don't see it. 
That's why the horse is going this way when they right. get on. Okay. So we have the same thing. So what I do is I make sure that I'm coached properly and it's pointed out to me when I have a problem. So maybe it's easier for me to solve it because I have the tricks yes. and, the, and the tools and everything else. But this is something that you need to really open your mind about is that today's world is not the real world. The one that you want to build is not a competitive world. Right. It's a cooperative world. Yeah. That's what it is. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're, there's nothing wrong with competition in sports or, you know, fun games and things like this, as long as it's lighthearted and we don't treat the loser like a loser, right? Mm -hmm. But when you're looking at competitiveness in business, it, it becomes cutthroat. And in this uh, thing to outdo the next person, they're losing the connection of what it is they have to offer because it becomes about, I've got to beat them, I've got to beat them, I've got to beat them. And uh, I certainly don't want to be coached by anybody like that because they're not in the right heart set for me. Um, for me, they have to have somebody that's in that heart set for me to be able to hear them. So this is where we have to do our due diligence. We have to make a decision that we no longer want to go down that road and that we need to change things around. Right. So once we've made that decision, now we have to let our fingers do the walking and listen to the podcast, listen to the TED Talks, listen to other things out there and look at to who do I have a connection with and then reach out, have a conversation and see if there is that synergy and that program is right for you. But you've got to do your own due diligence. It's not just somebody magically from Amazon delivers themselves. Right. It is about I'm ready. I don't know who is going to help me through this how right now, but if I'm willing to listen and explore my options, I will find that person that I connect with. And that's exactly, as I mentioned earlier, make a decision. Yes. This, uh, this, this podcast, I think it's completely about the fact that I, again, obviously you interviewed me. Obviously I am a coach. I am a speaker. I can be invited to do speaking. I can coach you. I can do whatever. But the point is not me. The point is you make a decision that you are going to really, and it's not like you're going to change your life. No, no, no. That's too big. Make a decision that just every single day you're going to do a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. Start to pay attention to your thoughts. Literally, like uh, one of my courses, uh, uh, I call it the trigger tracker. Um, it's a 21 day trigger tracker challenge. We literally just check on every single day what triggered you that day. And we develop within a couple of days, we, we see the patterns. And with that, just by seeing those patterns, we can figure out what's underneath it. And once we figured out what's underneath, it's something that has been there for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. That's when you use my tools, when we use my tools, and then we clear it out. Right. But there's just so many different ways we can we can get to you to make sure that you learn how to be your best version. And I always say this every time somebody says no to me that should say yes to me. I always think about my father. Yeah. I always think about that. I just don't want this person to go through life and at the end of their life say, oh, my God, I should have done this because my father had one big regret. And I didn't realize it until it was very interesting. We were um, in Greece together. And by then he couldn't see and he couldn't walk properly. So I was taking care of him during the trip as well. And um, 
I was talking to him about the book. I was talking to him about, uh, you know, my professional, uh, because I also, as a professor, I also have uh, written several articles and all that stuff. And we had a fight about something else. And then I'm waiting for him. We, we, are, we are together and he says, well, just because you are um, a published author, that doesn't mean that you can say whatever you want. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I said, dad, is this all about the fact that you wanted to be published and you never did it? Mm-hmm. And then when we had the calmer moment, he said, you know, I had so many chances and I always said, I will do it tomorrow. I will do it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I will do it after this. I will do it after that. And he says, and, and, and just to give you the kicker, I was like, okay, he wanted to write. He was a great orator. He was a phenomenal speaker. So in every conference, they always asked him to speak. Um, when he passed away, uh, he asked me to be the first one to come home to make sure that all the potential private stuff, I go through his desk and all this. So we, we really trusted each other. We were best friends. And uh, only best friends can fight like we fought. Right, exactly. And so I, I open the main um, drawer and I'm pulling it out and it's like one by one by one I see these beautiful poems letters he was a magician in writing and he never ever put it out there and why because he was afraid because that was his real thing that writing was his most precious he wrote beautifully beautifully and he was just afraid of taking that step don't be afraid to take the next step because then when you are he was 87 years old when he was still upset about the fact that he didn't write right and if i would have known some years before i would have had to had him write something but it was last year of his life yeah don't keep putting off tomorrow also don't worry about other people's judgment you know i I'm dyslectic. I do things the wrong way around, you know, grammar, et cetera. And that's what we have grammar for. That's what we have this and that for to correct it. Don't worry about how it comes out because there's always somebody that can put it together cohesively if that's the case, but don't make excuses for why you can't look at the reasons of why you should. I love that. That's, 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 that's always a really great reminder. Yeah, it's just, um, I mean, I can go on for a couple more hours. <laughs> yes, no, we've, we've come to the end of our interview, but how do people get hold of your book? How do they sign up for one of your courses? How do they reach you? The best way really is um, they can reach me on, on my email and then we'll talk. But the best way really is to, to come into my environment, come into the, even if you're not a big fan of Facebook, I have a bunch of people in there who are not, you know, anywhere else other than just my group. Uh, it's a, it's a private, it's a open group, but only people can come in that um, we, we um, let in. So right. it's not, it's one of those situations. Yeah. Um, and um, come in there. It's a rock your resilience and rebuild on Facebook. And I will send you the link for that. But that's the best place because then you get to know me. I get to know you. I can. Uh, I do a lot of uh, free work in there, advice, 
constantly help people out. And then most of my clients come from that group that decide that, you know what, I continue to like you because, you know, I could be an actor performing really well in this show right now. You don't have to trust me just yet. Come on in, figure it out, see who I am, see that crazy person that shows up in some really weird situations. That's me. Yes. That's me living life. So come on in, get to know me. And then from there, we'll take it from there. And then anytime you feel like you have a question, anytime you feel like you want to you know, level up and say, you know, Clara, you are the one for me. I have different, uh, two different programs. I have an introductory mindset program, which is in, a, in, in, a, in everybody who is coming into the second program has to take that first one. That's our basis. Mm-hmm. That's my winning my blueprint. That, that's the basic element. And then also, if you uh, want to really accomplish something and you want to, and there's something that you're reaching for, then you can come up into the second program where, you know, all the other superstars are that really, really, really are this close to just doing something and they just self-sabotaging themselves a bit. Right. A little nudge, nudge, wink, wink. That they a need. little nudge. And, and in the second group, what I do is I literally, that's, that's a year long program. And, uh, and every, every single time when we're together, I'm, I'm literally sitting on your shoulder, whispering into your ear that, ah, no, I just listen to the verbiage. I listen to, I watch the action and we have, we, we track all the uh, development regularly. So that's almost like a coach in your pocket, but on your shoulder. And you have your website. If you, yes, it's if you could spell that out for people who are listening. Sure. It's at claragubach.com. It's K-L-A-R-A-G-U-B-A-C-S.com. Claragubach.com. So it's my first name, last name. Easy. Easy peasy. And you have, uh, you know, the the uh, claragubach.com and slash the three secrets of building your business. Yes, we have a couple of things, but um, I'm, I'm working on something really good right now. Uh, that's obviously is, is beautiful, but there's a bunch of different things. So if you come in, you will, you will have a good time figuring everything out. That's, 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 that's the best place really is the, is the Facebook group. So, you know, the, the point is this, you're looking at your life and you know something has to change. You don't even know maybe what needs to change right now. But by immersing yourself in the Facebook, listening to other people's comments, finding that relativity that other people are going for the same thing, listening to your tips and you go, okay, you know, this is the how. And when you're ready, I'm now ready to immerse into Clara's course because I'm willing now to participate and go through the process. We don't get through the other side unless we're willing to go through the process. And we all have to go through that process if we want to really step into who we are, why we are, the beautiful instrument that we're here to give and to share out with the world. And you can't do that in confusion. You have to do that in clarity and that clarity is creativity of you allowing yourself to be. How do you allow yourself to be? You allow people like Clara to help you on your way. And thank you so much. And I also want to be, without sounding cocky or anything, I also want to um, let you know one of the reasons I like people to come into the group first is because of what we just talked about about a half hour ago. I also get to know you. Yes, and since as, as I have projected, I have a full-time job, I have the caretaking, I have my sports, I am very, very picky mm. of who I work with simply because, not because of, you know, race, color, or gender, mm. because of desire. 
Yes. I, I need to work with so I need to work with someone who needs to take mm. the next step. Yes. And so that's why I like to get all the people that you're going to see commenting. They are, have been, or are some form, uh, a shape or form my clients because they are engaged. If I see you engaged, I, I see you in it. That's when, that's when we can reach out and talk about it. And it, it's a two way street. You have to like me. I have to like you. You have to want it. I have to want it. And that's when you get the success because exactly you're both on the same platform right? yes, exactly. yeah right and your book how do people get your book amazon it's amazon? on amazon yeah and so it's how to survive life's Life's uh, per- perfect, per- storm. perfect storms okay can you read it yep the guide it's- to manifesting personal career relationship and transitions yeah managing so that's it. So I, I really appreciate this chance to be interviewed because um, your questions just triggered. I'm going to be taking notes when we are done, by the way, because <laughs> your questions have triggered some really nice thoughts in me that I really would like to put down and will be using for my coaching as well. That's another reason I always enhance it. But thank you so much for this my opportunity. Pleasure. And, and I hope that it provided uh, um, really good value for your listeners as well. We're all in that transition. We're all on that road of, of self-discovery. And it's yeah. when we're willing to participate and realize that, you know, you, you might have actually reached a destination. And, you know, and I reached it, I got there. And then you realize, okay, well, I'm here now. Now what? Now what? Yeah. Now what? You know, my whole life was getting to this point and, uh, you know, I've achieved it. So what do I do with that achievement? How do I redirect it? Where do I redirect it now? And this is where you need coaches because the coaches can see something that you're unable to see because you're still in that zone. And it's taking you from that zone into a now zone. Yes, absolutely. And at that moment, I needed two beers, I was told by my coaches. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was in that zone and I wasn't coming down for nothing. I mean... I mean, come on, wouldn't you be in a zone like that? Oh, yeah. And stuff like that. Absolutely. <laughs> Who but doesn't thank want, you so much. You know, but, but, you know, the last point on that is that some people, once they've reached that authoria, they spend their lives chasing to try and find that authoria again. And that was an ultimate orgasmic moment for you. But you take that same exuberance from that moment and you just bring it down a notch and apply it to everyday life. And now you're living in a continued exuberance and it doesn't have to be a high. Yes. And it's just a support system too. It has been an incredible support system for me. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much, love. So um, everybody, please reach out to her. Uh, The Facebook again is? Rock Your Resilience and Rebuild. So go to Rock Your Resilience and Rebuild. Just follow the conversation, let Clara get to know you, you get to know her, and then take it from there. One step at a time. Nobody's asking you to make a big leap. You know, it's a little shift at the left and a little shift to the right, but it's about shifting. (laughs) Okay. Yes. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, love. And so, folks, remember, you want something better for yourself, but you've got to participate in it. Let Clara help you, okay? Until next time. We hope you enjoyed the show. We look forward to bringing you more shows. Please go to selfdiscoverymedia.com slash shows and you will see the incredible lineup of genres and shows that we have for you. We are here to make a difference in your life. Thank you for listening.